I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? What's up, everybody? Welcome to a fresh episode of Rewrite the Rules. How hard is it to say no to things? Um, I'm just realizing how hard it is sometimes to tell people no to do the things that you know you need to do, but you don't want to do, but you really want to go do the things that they're asking you to go do and uh, leaves you in a slight conundrum. <laughs> these are these are good problems to have. Um, today, my guest is Max. Um, met him about three weeks ago, hit it off right away. Amazing guy. He quit his job working at Salesforce, a giant tech conglomerate, uh, making his way up the ranks. And, uh, one day decided, nope, I'm going to go start a travel company to Cuba. And now it's super successful. He's running trips, living his life, kind of a digital nomad style from San Francisco, from Cuba, um, traveling all over. And uh, one of those guys that I met him and he was in Austin for about a week and I'm pretty good at making friends. I'm a social guy. I'm a chatty Cathy kind of thing. And he had made a bunch of, he had so many friends in Austin. Um, you know, when we were hanging out, he was like, Oh, I'm going to go meet up with this guy. Then meet up with my buddy here and here. So, uh, just one of those types of guys, super cool. And, uh, he's actually offering a special, if you guys have thought about traveling to Cuba at all, which my grandmother is a quarter Cuban, and it's an amazing country. And if you're thinking about going, you need some help with your trip. You want to maybe plan out some parts of it, or you want him to take care of all of it. If you go to ostacuba.com, that's H A S T A cuba.com. Um, and you type in, uh, rewrite the rules as the code. When you check out, if you get anything there, or if we send him an email, tell him that you heard about, uh, his company through me and he will give you 15% off the entire order, which could save you quite a chunk of change there. Um, amazing country. So uh, we're gonna, we just go through, we talk about his story. He kind of tells us about everything that he went through um, and how he started the company and kind of just ditching the, more about the mindset, right? This is all about mindset. How do you get in that stage of I'm willing to leave my identity behind and what I know as my life behind to pursue what I feel is right? Um, that's the moral of the shit. So I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, I'm at alexstar.com. My Instagram is alex, alex, alex h star. I've had like two glasses of wine, so I'm, I'm slurring a little bit. And, um, yeah, find me on there and, uh, love everybody, everybody who reaches out to me. Really appreciate it. Hope y'all enjoy this and, uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey, what's going on out there? I just I just peeked out the fucking valley on here. You see that? <laughs> Welcome, Max, to Ill Podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. We met, what's today, Wednesday? Today's Wednesday. So we met on Monday. Yeah. Before we went to the same party. Before we went to the same party. <laughs> Without knowing. The girls were dating the exact same name. <laughs> Discussing the same things. We have a lot of similarities, I would say. Yeah, it's been pretty interesting 
discovering those uh, over the last couple of days. Yeah, dude, it's been fun. It's cool. Um, it's cool whenever you meet somebody new. They don't even get all mushy gushy, but it is cool when you meet somebody new, and you just like oh click like oh sweet this is yeah. easy like chill no brainer which i feel like a lot of people with you wouldn't really have that problem but it's cool when yeah you just meet someone it's like oh sweet man like that's that's one of the things i always like found as like one of my favorite traits is being like i want to be able to make people feel comfortable with me first meeting me whether it was when i was hitchhiking or whether i was just meeting somebody in the store i just always had a wanted to connect with people Oh, I, I, yeah, it's um, it's something that we were talking about this earlier, like pays dividends. Yeah. Right. Like it makes you feel good to connect with people. Right. Like the minute that you aren't connecting with people, then it's you feel secluded. Yeah. It's, you know, by being in a room and not like talking or not being with that person and like engaging yeah. in somebody, I'm just like, OK, this is. But there's a lot. Of, so I talk about this a lot with my friends and there's a lot of introverts that you know they feel depleted after talking to people i was just talking to a buddy of mine uh matt and he was like yeah man i get off the phone with somebody or i get off talking to someone and i i literally feel drained from talking to people like that much i don't and to me it's i get what you're saying and i you know that happens to me too don't get me wrong like i want to fucking be alone but there's a lot of times where i get completely energized like it gives me energy to talk to people yeah, it's like the moment I go out, I'll be sitting at home, kind of lethargic, not feeling that energized, and then going out, meeting people, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. I can keep doing this all night. Yeah, right? Yeah, there's like that threshold. There's there's a tipping point when you're at home or to do anything where it's always easier to sit at home. It's yeah. always easier to not do something. You're like, oh, God, I made these plans a week ago. You know, yeah. like I'm not really in the mood, I but I have to go. 90% of the time, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Like you still enjoy it. Right? You didn't sign up for something lame a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> You're just. Yeah. Or it's like even sometimes even with this podcast, man, not tonight, but sometimes with this podcast, I'll have one planned, you know, like two weeks before. Right. Yeah. Cause the person's busy and shit. It'll be a Wednesday night and I'm on my way home and it's like, man, I just don't feel like conjuring up this conversation like doing all this stuff like blah 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 but i already have a plan so i have to do it without fail without fail at the end of the podcast i'm stoked yeah i'm so excited i did it i'm 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 engaged like i have energy well i think that's i didn't want to do it i think that's one of the benefits of your show is that you're interviewing rad people you know, like you're, you're interviewing people who are probably stoked to be on the show with you. They're going to bring that energy. And I think we are able to pull energy out of other people. Right. And just kind of and harness that energy. Yeah. Oh, it's true, man. So we're sitting here with a great view in Austin at South by Southwest. There's a lot of energy outside. Yeah. It's been incredible. Yeah. Um, this is your first time though, right? Yeah, first time in Austin, first yeah. time in Texas. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's cool, man, because, yeah, there's a ton of energy outside, a lot of shit going on. Um, but I'm really stoked for people to hear your story because I think there's a lot of people that listen to this show. And there's a lot of people just in our generation mm-hmm. and a lot of generations now, actually, that want to quit their job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, really. Yeah. Or they want, they want to, some may say... I got to rewrite the rules of their current existence, right? Yeah. 
for some, it might mean relationships, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, that means their job, their life. What are they doing? I think a lot of people feel stuck. And I think you can get to that point really quickly. So I'm excited to have you on to talk about really you working a cool job and fucking completely quitting. And now a year later, more or less living your dream. Not that there's no problems, right? But like getting to that point. So let's start with your job at Salesforce and... Let's start from there and just kind of fill us in as to what you were doing at, at Salesforce. That's uh, that's a good good place to start, as good as any. Yeah, we can't I'll go too you, far back. I'll take you right before that. I'll take you oh. about my decision to go to Salesforce. Okay, cool. I had uh, basically ever since college, I'd wanted to. I'm from California, lived out there the whole time, so it was. Um, Basically, I'd always had the passion of traveling and wanting to work with Latin America specifically, grew up speaking Spanish, and I wanted to figure out how I could get hired to work in Latin America, build up my skills, and then eventually probably start my own job. I tried getting jobs in Medellin, Colombia, applying for Uber, Apple, a bunch of these places, and just wasn't getting much feedback. Um, I was in, it was February, about three years ago and I was sitting talking to this girl saying I wanted to go travel to Europe. I always, anytime I'm down, I want to travel and figure it just brings energy to me. And I was, I was sitting in Europe. I was about a month in without really knowing what I was doing out there. And I realized that for the first time, I really wanted to be in the Bay area and wanted to be with the network of my friends. I built a really great community and was thinking, why am I trying to leave Silicon Valley so bad? This is like being in Florence during the Renaissance. Maybe instead of trying to flee to go to Colombia or Mexico, I can go there, build my skill set, and then see what happens next. So I, I got back kind of with the new idea of like, all right, I'm going to start looking for work in the Bay Area. And my uh, I think I was home for about two weeks, and my dad had a dinner party, and he has a lot of just really intelligent, interesting friends that come over. And, you know, anytime you're meeting these kind of adults they ask you <laughs> grown-ups <laughs> grown-ups you're meeting these adult species yeah. that you have to have a story you know what are you doing yes you yes, can't just you can't God, just right i just yeah. came back from traveling and now what what's your purpose what are you doing you're 25 what's that look like and so i had the new narrative i'm, I'm looking for a job in san francisco and there was a few businesses that I had net connections at, one of which was Salesforce. And I mentioned, yeah, I'm thinking of applying at Salesforce just because I had a friend that worked there. And the lady I met or I was talking to, she said, oh, I'm having dinner with a VP of, of uh, or SVP at Salesforce tomorrow. Give me your resume. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to get a resume. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get a resume. And I... uh there was a role of a Spanish speaking sales rep and I was the, it was my first time applying for a job. I had worked for myself in, in college, had a clothing company and had always been kind of a salesperson. And then after college worked with my dad at his small business, um, doing, uh, he was a kitchenware store. So I was doing online sales and, and marketing, but I had never had an interview. And 
within two weeks, I had an interview at Salesforce, which they say is it's harder to get a job at Salesforce than get into Harvard. And so I had my first interview selling technology in Spanish. My Spanish was good, travel Spanish, but I didn't know if I had the acumen to pull off a, a sales role. And so I spent the, the next two weeks YouTubing every single thing I could find about Salesforce in Spanish and didn't have like a tech background, which you typically need to get get a job in these, at a company like that. But what I did know was I was going to be selling to small businesses. And so I took all the everything I'd learned about Salesforce and said how I would have applied it to my father's business in order to have better sales. And I got the job. <laughs> and I, it was, uh, it was had, one interview. It was two interviews. So two it was interviews. two phone interviews and then in person. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I got a, got a suit, spent the little bit of money I had and got a suit and went in there and I, I was telling you, it's kind of like walking in here. You, you see these incredible spaces, the, the big building downtown San Francisco all the crazy energy. And I, I walked out of there and I was like, I think I got the job. But you I, never know, do you? So I was like, I think I have it. And within two weeks I had to, I found out I got the job. I had to move out of my place in, in Santa Cruz. I had to basically stop working for my dad, find a place in San Francisco or in this Bay area and start work all within two weeks. And basically just radically changed my life there. And, uh, I signed an 18 month lease at or at my rent and figured that would be a good amount of time to see if I wanted to be in, in corporate sales or not. And I figured at the 18 month, I would either stay there with a promotion, quit and work at a startup was probably my other idea mm -hmm. and was just going to play it by ear. So we'll fast forward about a year of a little bit of challenges at first of doing Spanish sales and being proficient, but not having that serious acumen and like knowing how to do that and call, calling all of across Latin America. Yeah, man. And, that, I mean, so this is like cold calling type of stuff. It was a warm leads. Basically somebody came on the website, left their information. I'm yeah. calling and saying, Hey, okay. They requested some type of information or demo, and, or something. but it could just be random. You know, it could right. just basically a newsletter. They're not expecting to get a, a call. person calling. It's just a strange to think of doing sales or calling people like that in your native language. And then think of doing that in a language that you're still not 100% comfortable with. And you're right, like in terms of the terminology, yeah, all those little words, you know, that you need to know that are and that are very um, esoteric. Yeah, and so one of the there's this funny, I would say, hola, habla Max de Salesforce, and it's like <laughs> from what Salesforce, because <laughs> they have because no, Salesforce, they don't know what the, it says, you know, they just yeah, 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 yeah. Salesforce, like, yeah, yeah, la herramienta de CRM, and it was just it was so funny, but and a lot of times the people had no idea what what I was calling about, and right, I struggled a lot in the first couple of months, but after I don't know about four months in there, I got proficient and I got you know, pretty good in Spanish. And I remember sitting with my, some of the coworkers at this table having lunch and one of the funniest guys, you know, the kind of team lead smacks one of the other guys. And he says, did you guys know Max is funny? Cause I just had never thought I was funny in Spanish. Cause I couldn't get my jokes across. Oh, right. right, right. So he was like, I, we always spoke Spanish and he was like, you know, Max is actually kind of funny. And I was like, I knew I had made it at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, like yeah. I was like, I got my Spanish is good enough that, that you can have a sense of humor. That I can have a sense of humor, yeah, and that native yeah. speakers can think that I'm that I'm funny. Yeah, so. that's true, man. Because I mean, like a sense of humor is um, it takes a very complex, um, you know, like 
working language capacity to make humor work. So you better know your shit. Timely humor. <laughs> yeah, and, and make it yeah, make it yeah. time right. You don't have to be thinking about what word you're gonna say next. Like, it just doesn't work with comedy, right? Yeah. So. so so you're there and like you're doing your stuff, getting down, and like a year passes and you're kinda It's about about a year in. Um almost exactly a year. And I had said I wanted to have a promotion at that point. Doesn't end up happening. There's somebody else gets promoted and I I had I'm a sun seeker. I love being outside and being indoors for 50 hours a week was, was kind of killing me at that point. And I remember going out at lunch with a buddy and sitting there enjoying an August day in San Francisco, right on the Marcadero, which kind of reminds me of the river walk here and being like, I just want to do something new. I want to do something different that lets me be outside. I don't know what the hell it's going to be. Maybe I'll buy a website called life to the max and <laughs> I'm just going to make some, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need to do something different that allows me to have more to be outside more, do something that's not just working for, for a great company, but somebody else's ends. And that happened. And about two weeks later I was going on, I was going to Cuba and Cuba had been something that had been on my radar since like 2006. I remember the first, there was a very specific moment where Fidel Castro had just got sick. It was on the news. And my, I remember I was 16. I was in high school and I, I went up to my mom and I said, Fidel Castro just got sick. I think there's going to be crazy changes in Cuba here soon. I'd love to go see it before it changes. And she responded with, Max, you're 16. I'm not going to smuggle you into a communist country. A month later, her and her girlfriend go through Mexico and they go to Cuba <laughs> and they ended up being in Cuba for, you know, a couple, they went there a couple of different times and I, I'd always wanted to travel there and traveling through Central and South America, like I had after college and throughout college, I never had the chance to go to Cuba. So it always been on my mind and at Salesforce, they're incredible. They give you paid time off but not just to do time off, but paid volunteer time off. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So they actually give you like pay for tech companies, man, <laughs> big tech companies, um, 50, 50 hours of paid time off to volunteer. And so the, a lot of people can kind of chunk it up in different sections, but I had found out that there was a program working with Cuba and I thought this was the perfect opportunity that I would get paid to go volunteer in Cuba. And while I'm out there, I spent the first week traveling kind of alone. I Most places I go, I try to couch surf or do something like that. And in Cuba, it's illegal to just stay at Cubans' households. You can't, right. you can't just stay there for free. They have a businesses around that. And I kept being told, you can't do that. You, you know, you can stay at a house, but you got to pay for it. It's like an Airbnb type situation. So I showed up at the airport in Havana, nothing reserved. And I had about a week until my program started. And... I get out into the airport and I look around looking like what I usually do is I find a backpacker, find somebody that's traveling and team up with them and go do something fun. I didn't see anyone. <laughs> it was just all Cubans. It's at a, I don't know if you remember the the Havana airport, but this just, it's, it's a, mayhem too. It's, it's a like, mayhem. There's so many when you, people And there. when you come out in the front, it's like people yelling and it's, like hugging and crying and it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> And so I walk outside and I try to very disorienting. I, I ask people like, Hey, like, how do I take a bus into downtown Havana? And they're like, there's no, there's no way for you to get there. And I was like, you have to take, you know, one of these expensive taxis in there. And then 
I look over and I see this tall blonde guy with a backpack. I was like, bingo. <laughs> There's my traveler. And he's standing in the rental car line. And I go up and talk to him. I say, hey, uh, do you need help renting a car? I speak Spanish. If you want, like, I can help you get this car organized if you want to drop me off in Havana on your way out. And he said, no, no, my, my wife's inside. She's handling it. I was just checking out to see if there's anything else out here. All right. So I walk back to the curb, standing there, basically about to give up and go get a taxi. And that guy comes up to me and says, do you know how to drive stick shift? And I said, absolutely. And he didn't know how to drive manual. And the cars that they were renting were all manual. They didn't right. have any automatics. Right. So he said, you know, are you, can you take us out of the airport and then teach me how to drive stick? And we'll, and we'll you drop go. you off in Havana. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I, you know, him and his wife take them out, start driving, kind of hit it off. And they had this itinerary plan for the next week that coincided with some of the places I wanted to go. Veradero, uh, Trinidad, Cienfuegos, and then back. And we're about an hour and a half in. And they're like, do you want to just like come with us the rest of this trip so i ended up being the driver third wheel like third wheel driver they didn't speak spanish so i ended up just being the spanish translator everywhere dude and they just had the tour book and airbnbs booked and everywhere we went there was it was pretty awesome they happened to be like oh we have a bed for you right here like it just it it seemed very easy yeah it worked out but every restaurant we went to that was recommended in the book or from the host was like super touristy and just like we could not break this kind of barrier of like gaining access to the local people. And like I kept feeling like a term that I, I coined called touristed, where mm. it was like being as scrappy Spanish speaking as I, as I am and the experiences I've had, I'd never felt that in other countries. Like I really couldn't get immersed in the culture. So I ended up coming back. Oh, and that's what triggered. The that was whole, the first. That was where I was the like, company. it was part of it. And I had never experienced, I was like, man, like Cuba is so interesting, but I, Cuba is so interesting, but I had not, like from the surface level, I couldn't really scratch it. And then I joined this, the volunteer program and where it was staying with the same Cuba, staying in the same household for a week with a local guide and, uh, this guy named Andres who organizes the program. And we basically paid for everything up front. And while we were there, all the activities were scheduled and we had volunteering involved, but it was like lunches and you know, day trips and things like that. And it just felt so smooth. And I was able to connect with him on a different level and like really just seeing the same face over and over again and like talking to him and asking the questions, um, got to understand Cuba on a completely different level than I had that first week. It was basically that first day I got to see a whole nother side of Cuba and we're sitting, I took him and his wife out to dinner the last night, the rest of the group had left and, I said, they tell me just something crazy. They told me about the El Paquete. You know El Paquete? This is a pretty incredible thing that Cubans had to do. They were cut off from regular communications. They couldn't just pick up TV, you know, TV channels from the U.S. There's the blockade on them. So what they ended up doing was different people would get satellites that would pick up signals from Miami and they would download an entire channel mm. and then put it together on a USB basically. And it started with just a couple people with a couple of channels. Now every week it's a terabyte of information that gets distributed in Cuba. And on Monday it gets compiled um, in Havana. And then throughout the week it gets distributed through the east, further east throughout the island. 
So he just told me their story. I'd been in Cuba two weeks and I'd never even thought about how they would get media. And I was like, holy shit, like this is, there's so much to Cuba that you just can't understand. And we finished, we had the beer, we went outside and we're sitting in this park. And he said, you know, I've been doing this, these volunteer trips for about two weeks. I mean, two, two years, but there's a really good opportunity for, for more tourism, not just volunteer trips. He's like, I've got, as you've seen the programs in place, housing, transportation, everything, but I don't have access to the American market. And in the back of my head, I was like, oh shit. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is, this could be me, uh-huh. you know, like I had never, it just, the idea had hit and I, I said, all right, let's, let's check, I'll check back in with you next week. And, um, once I get home, we'll, we'll talk and like send me the programs. It's crazy. It's crazy how, um, it's crazy how just little meetups like that, how it can just drastically alter everything, everything, everything. Yeah. So it's like, there's a question of like, I think Tim Ferriss asked it in his new book, The Tools of Titans, and he says, what's your favorite failure? And I was thinking about it. My buddy asked me that the other day, and I was like, not getting that promotion at Salesforce mm. had led me to kind of make that shift mentally, which led to serendipitously being sitting at this conversation with, with Andres and right. him saying... It's like the be- you think about like the best thing that never happened to you. Yeah. Or where you, at one point, you're just so down. You're like, fuck, I can't believe I didn't get that. Right. And then it ends up being... Something that was just all that cheesy uh, shit. When uh, one door closes, <laughs> another one opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously, all that shit. But and so I like uh, left left Havana that morning, and was on my way with the layover in Cancun, and uh, a hurricane hit, and I had to. We almost emergency landed on Cozumel or, or Playa del Carmen or something like that. Oh, like fuck that was that dude. <laughs> it was terrifying. Like they were legit like turbulence. I mean crazy turbulence, and they're like we we're gonna make a decision in the next couple of minutes whether we emergency land or whether we can pull off getting to Cancun. <laughs> it was pretty gnarly. And this is right. It was like September, so it's like peak hurricane season. Fuck all of that, dude. I seriously grab the arm I, handles when there's a little bit of turbulence. Oh, no. We're going down. This no. is it. I need to call my parents and tell them how much I love them. I just like. Turbulence, man. I just, I don't like that at all. I just pulled the seatbelt buckle and yeah. kept reading my book. Like, how bad was it? I don't remember. I mean, like, is it like. I, I, I didn't get airlifted. Like, I've heard people who they the plane actually drops like 10 feet or it feels like that. And they actually feel like they right. fell out of a chair. Right. I don't remember it being that bad. It uh, was more just, holy shit, this like, is happening. Just, yeah. So I get. Whenever I, the pilot comes on and says, we might emergency land. You know, <laughs> when they announce that, you know you're in some shit. <laughs> They've had to make some series of decisions before yeah, getting to that before point. Before getting to that point about even announcing it. So they. They ended up landing in Cancun, but basically they couldn't let any other f- flights get out. All all planes that were going to be um, going out after that, where we were just stranded there. So I had about 24 hours in Cancun where all I could think about was this Cuban travel company. That, And I remember I, I called my dad and I was like, hey, uh, so I'm starting a Cuban travel company. Like it, there, there was no moment of maybe this might happen. It just kind of like clicked yeah and got back a few days later was working at salesforce getting caught up and i remember calling my my buddy now andres my partner uh let's do this let's make it happen so we <laughs> it's like the beginning of uh and so then how much so yeah i mean that's that's 
crazy how like the luck, you know, quote unquote luck happens like that. So then I'm really curious too about the hustle of from that point on, you know, like just tell me about like what your mornings look like when, you know, so, okay, you decide to start this company. Great. Um, like what was your first step after that? You bought the domain. Yeah. It's, I mean, what, what are kind of like, I, you know what I did? And then people, I, yeah. Well, what is it? Yeah. I Googled how the hell do you start a business? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, uh, 10 things to get your business started, Uh huh. you know? And it's like, what was the best takeaway? I don't know. It was like, get the domain, register for your tax ID, get your biz- fictitious. I mean, did you literally just follow license. that list? Follow the list and <laughs> went to what's an awesome, it's just do things. It's like you take these baby, like you have these monumental projects that just seem like the craziest thing. But once you start ticking off, just segmenting them and just doing bit by bit, it really becomes manageable and you don't mm-hmm. have to do it all in one day. So I basically put, this is everything I kind of need to do for, to get the business started. And it was, you know, come up with all the content for the website. It was come up with a name, <laughs> come up with a name and get the social media channels going, get the fictitious business license and figure out insurance and do all the, do all those things. Um, but I'm working at Salesforce and I'm doing, I, I get in at 7am every morning. I'm calling across Latin America. So I have to be there at seven, usually there till about five. So at this time I started, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this the other day, I started doing, you know, Wim Hof method. Iceman, mm-hmm. like I started waking up at like five in the morning and doing this crazy meditation and exercise and the get, deep breathing, right? Deep breathing. Yeah. Anyone's listening, you should check. I mean, he, he's made his rounds on the, the podcast circuit, yeah. TV circuit, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's the, this crazy, what is he? Belgium he's, from Dutch. He's, he's, he's Dutch and no, he'd be from Belgium, but he'd be Dutch, right? No, I said that Belgium's backwards. a different country. So Fuck, dude, I'm it's Holland. Holland, Netherlands. Holland is wait. Holland is the Netherlands, and they speak Dutch. Oh God, and they are Dutch. and Belgium's a different country. Belgium or oh, I sound Belgium. Dumb. But there's the northern region of Belgium, which are Flemish. But, I don't know. Yeah, I think they're Flemish. That sounds good. Yeah, sure. Or the southern Flemish. Flemish. <laughs> I don't know, but. He's. You guys should check him out. He, he's yeah, Wim really Hof. Yeah, W I M then H O F F. Yeah, and he's a crazy motherfucker. He does the ice plunges. Yeah. He hiked to the top of Everest in board. Just so everyone knows, this dude hiked to the top of Everest in board shorts and uh, barefoot. He, he didn't make he, it to the top, but oh, he did. He, he made it to base camp, and he did do that shit. And so it's barefoot, barefoot in board in shorts. shorts, no oxygen. And he showed people always call it like a, a myth or that he couldn't do it. So he challenged them and he brought six random people who had no experience oh, whatsoever yeah. trained them in the Wim Hof method. Yeah. It's pretty and, deep breathing and stuff. Yeah. It's basically deep breathing meditation, holding your, holding your yeah. breath, the whole bunch of things. But I was doing that at the time. So to answer you in the morning, so I was waking up at like five, five thirty, doing that and then spending an hour working on the, on Asta Cuba and then going and working at Salesforce all day and trying to keep my numbers as you know we're sales guys we want to be top performer no matter right. what you know and not say that i felt bad i would use i would moonlight i would be using work time to you know look up web domains or whatever the hell i was doing but i wanted to make sure my numbers were good too so then it would get home at you know five o'clock and keep working till nine ten at night so i did that for a couple months and then salesforce paid me to go to tony robbins and Tony Robbins had coincidentally had Wim Hof on, <laughs> on, on at this event that I went to. And this, that was pretty awesome. and kept the Wim Hof method going, but he, Tony is really good at getting you to identify your own fears and things that are stopping you. 
And it was one of these times where he almost like hypnotized you. He gets you thinking about kind of like separating yourself from reality and like getting like, why are, what, what's your fear? What, what is holding you back from doing things? And, or, you know, from following your passion to the fullest. And I was torn between working on this promotion for Salesforce. And I thought that the Cuban company would be a great side hustle. You know, we're so caught up on these side hustles. It's like, how, how can I do multiple things at once? Right. And like, how can I do that? And he, it was, I'd always been like, I need to get, I need to get X amount of experience before I launch my own business. Right. But this was like, he called me out in a way he talked to 10,000 people, but he had my, me call myself out and decided right then I'm going to go for it. I'm going to quit. I'm going to start this company. And then like a month after that, about no six weeks after that, we launched us to Cuba, we launched the website and January 3rd or something like that, 2016. And my boss offers me the promotion that I had been waiting for to move to Mexico city and launch a sales team down there. And it was like going back to what my objective had been before was getting paid to move to Latin America. And I was given that opportunity right there. And then I realized, was it moving to Latin America and getting a job or was it doing something you're passionate about that was more important? And so I launched the website and I'm, I'm kind of preparing for this interview. And I realized I don't care if I made you know, half a million dollars for Salesforce last year, or top performer, first quarter, or whatever those statistics were. I was like, I need to figure out how to get all my business off the ground. Like I can't, I can't do that from, from Mexico city. I need to keep focusing on that. And I went into the next day to my boss and said, he sat down and was like, you want to look over the presentation you have? And I was like, I'm not interviewing tomorrow. I'm i uh, I'm starting, I'm quitting <laughs> at the end of the month. I said, what, what do you mean you're quitting? Or you got this like life-changing opportunity. And I was like, I'm starting a Cuban travel company. And you're just sitting there just so anxious, expecting expecting you to get, you know, get yelled at or get out of the office. And he just looks at me and he says, That is awesome. <laughs> He's just like, that is so cool. He's like, if you're if you were quitting to go work at another tech company or, you know, doing something else like that, we'd have a different conversation. But there is no way that I'm gonna get in the way of you starting a starting your own company. He's like, as long as you, he's like, you want to come in early and leave early. Like I'm here to support you. Just keep your numbers up throughout the end of the year at the end of the month. And, uh, it's been a pleasure. And if you ever need anything, you can come back to Salesforce down the road. So then I said it <laughs> and then I basically put yeah, my, yeah. Oh, like, oh, now it's real. Yeah. I put the two weeks in and at that point I, I had just had a website. I didn't have any sales. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Did you have money saved? I mean, not really. So like, what did you, cause I mean, I think a lot of people listening and myself included too, it's like, so what, I mean, like how much, how much money did you, you were living in an apartment at this time? Yeah. So I was living in an apartment. So how much money did you have like to like, how, how many months could you have lasted on the so, amount of savings you had? So if you remember, I said my lease ended at 18 months. Right. This is 17 months in. Okay. My, my lease ends at the end of the month. Um, and I was terrified. I was like, how am I going to pay for Bay Area pricing? You know, 1500 bucks a month, mandatory, basically, or minimum oh, at least, yeah. of doing that, plus all the other expenses. So I did what a lot of us think of doing is converted a van <laughs> and converted a, the, my family minivan and gutted it and put some insulation in it. And, and was like, I, one thing I'm going to do is not have to worry about paying rent. That'll at least keep me going for a bit. And 
I mean, I had before going to that Europe trip and deciding to get a job at Salesforce, I had run my credit high. I had no money. I was living like less than paycheck, this paycheck. I had, I was, I was broke and happy, but broke. So I'd, I'd known what not having money was like. And I was like, I can do that again. And luckily I'd been putting, you know, a good percentage of money into my stocks. So I knew at any point I could always just pull my money out of like out of my out of the stocks that I had. Right. So I wasn't ever. I knew that I wouldn't be. But how much like? So, so okay, so you lived in the cash, van. hard cash. Yeah. I had like literally like four thousand dollars or something. Okay, like that. so you moved in the van, so you kind of take out all that. So you got enough now with four grand to last you uh, two. I figured two or three two months. or three months before you had to start making money off of this. Basically making money. But part of the reason why I started this travel company was. It's a service job. There's no capital needed to really get it going. There's no product I'm selling. Like, I only have to pay. I only have to spend money once a client is high, like is brought onto the onto the trip. Basically, you know, it's like I don't have a. You don't need to get a ten thousand dollar loan to I, do overhead and get the product manufactured. Exactly. Yeah. I spent, you know, maybe two thousand bucks getting it launched. I made the website with Cuban designers and Cuban programmers. It cost. $500 or something like that to have a badass website made for me. And it was basically like, if I can keep my costs low, I can live for pretty long until this business is successful. But as we talked about earlier, I, I get anxious not talking to people and I just started spreading the word. I was like, one thing I do have is being in the Bay Area, I have a network. So I started, I literally messaged every single person in my Facebook. And what were you saying? Because I know you don't want to come off as <laughs> you know like, hey i'm doing this thing you should sign up for my trip what did your messages look like it was i've, I've i know I've, this is probably catching you off guard um because i have you know whatever over a thousand friends and how many of them do i talk to regularly not you know not that many so a lot of they were just almost like cold cold messages mm -hmm. and i said hey like i've been at salesforce and i decided to quit and make a life-changing decision to start my cuban travel company if you're interested in traveling or know anyone like let me know that was it and i sent it to like a thousand people um and then i remember leaving salesforce i sent out a mass email to every person that i had worked with saying hey it's like my last day at salesforce here's a link to the website of the business i'm starting i emailed mark benioff the ceo of salesforce <laughs> and said <laughs> i emailed him i said uh hey mark it's been a pleasure working for you i you know was incredibly inspired on a volunteer trip i made a life-changing decision at a tony robbins event that you sent me to and i wanted to thank you for the opportunity to work here and this is what i'm going to i'm going to take the values that i learned at your business and apply them to my company and he responded like awesome man good luck no shit yeah. <laughs> like, no shit yeah and it was one of those i was like oh shit that's awesome that's and super took the cool time. sounds like was, a cool company yeah i was like who knows i mean he that guy's worth you know Bill, uh, billions yeah, yeah, salesforce yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy it's the number fourth biggest software company in the world now yeah um so it was pretty cool to get that message from him but started just telling people and you know friends were like hey i know somebody's going to cuba and cuba is very unique in that like there's so much mixed information over the years of, you know, mm. you read a forum from 2012, which is different than the information from 2015, which is different from the information from 2016. Yeah, and it has such like an allure to it because of the forbidden fruit aspect. Yeah, it's super mysterious. Yeah, a lot of romanticism around it. And so a lot of people were just like connecting me with their friends and, you know, everyone would post on Facebook, hey, I'm going to Cuba. Does anyone know what the hell to do? 
or how do I do that? And, you know, they tagged me and I'd call them and say, Hey, I'm started this new business. Let me, what can I do for free? Like, let me help you however the hell I can. All I want you to do is say, you know, share it on your Facebook after thank you and hopefully buy some services for me. But I was more just trying to get those conversations and like identifying who, who's going to Cuba, what questions do they have? What do they, where do they need help? And just was like really trying to, f- and then you could curate your business model off of what people basically. actually want. And basically, and I was like, I got a couple months to like perfect. figure That's out a win-win conversation, what they're doing and like learn from them. And then like, I, I was always in that growth mindset. Like people would turn me down. They'd go to Cuba and I'd follow up and say, Hey, I'd love to hear about your experience. And I'd love to hear like what happened. What were the, what were the challenges that you faced? And a lot of, I would, you know, got the, a lot of great feedback from people. Um, but then I got, I, I booked a trip to go there about two weeks after my last day at Salesforce. And I didn't have any clients for the, for that trip. And then within like, I was still working and I closed like two deals <laughs> and like they happened to coincide with the time that I had already booked my trip to Cuba. So I remember this vivid moment of driving around in a, in the classic convertible, drinking a pina colada, looking back at two clients that paid me to be here with me. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is kind of, yeah. this is happening. Like this is what life kind of looks like. And I don't, I don't, I'm the uh, business model isn't to go on all the, the trips with people. We have a team of Cubans that, that are in charge of that and creating the experience. But I just happened to be there and wanted to hang out with them. And I was like, saw such a unique experience of, of sharing that moment with one of my clients. So it was pretty I've been hooked ever since pretty, 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 pretty much. And it was like, you, you expect to hear these, like, you know, we were in the red for so long and we struggled and we had all these things, but it just kind of like snowballed for the first, the few, first few months, just kind of like ton of people what came everyone wanted to go to Cuba and their grandmas. I say like, we've had three generation families go yeah. with like little 10 year olds and then grandmas and everyone wants to go. And I didn't, I couldn't believe how successful we were early on. And then come June, we also got to remember what place this was. So November, when I decided to launch the business, I thought Hillary Clinton was going to be the president. Turns out she, <laughs> turns she's, out, she's not the president. She wasn't the president. <laughs> and, well, who is? <laughs> um, and she would have had a much more favorable Cuba opinion. Yeah. And I thought, you know, people kept asking me, so what are you, are you still going to do it? Like now that the, the Trump's the president who was going to have kind of more of a negative opinion on it. Yeah. And I was like, as long he's, he still hasn't said anything. So we went a few months into his presidency before even addressing Cuba. And then he makes this announcement. I'm, I'm going to, he makes an announcement about making an announcement. So there was about a week of us anticipating. I was sitting in Havana waiting for him to speak in little Miami. I mean, little Havana in Miami declaring a new announcement about travel to Cuba. And in June, he, he basically said, has the rhetoric of we're, we're canceling travel to Cuba, but didn't put out any direct policy at that point and said, we'll put out policy in the future. So, so you're sitting there in Havana with a, with a group I mean, of bunch of Cuban entrepreneurs. Hand, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I was hanging out with a bunch of Cuban entrepreneurs, which is, there's like this amazing entrepreneurial scene down there that's yeah. over the last few years has just been blossoming. And they depend heavily on American t- tourism. Like the amount of Americans that have been going there over the last, every year, it's significantly increased. And this is a huge, this couldn't change the whole industry, the whole country, the economy economy there and they're all you know we're all freaking out and i was with a couple people they 
it was in English and they were like, well, well, what's he saying? I was like, he literally didn't say anything. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could tell you what he said, but he just spoke for 30 minutes and literally said nothing that we can take away from. Like there was just no tangible information. Um, but he basically like, it was enough of a, of a scare to say he was changing policy that I had cancellations. Right. That people were just like, hey, we were planning on traveling, but we're just going to like, we don't want to book something. And then the policy actually right. comes out and we're right. not going to, we're not going to go. So we, this is, you know, June, which is already starting to be that like hot, kind of miserably hot season in Cuba. So it's low anyways, but sales just plummeted. So July had like a couple people go June or August was just super slow. And then September hurricane Irma hit mm. and really, you know, clearly damaged Puerto Rico, but it didn't hit cuba too hard in havana generally but it got a ton of bad media coverage so you had now people weren't going because of the hurricane so right. you had uncertainty in the policy you had we need this a di- hurricane we need to diversify your portfolio here <laughs> yeah I should. as you're speaking i'm like we got to get you another country here <laughs> soon man because <laughs> something because i'm you, i got all my eggs in this you got all your eggs and you have this very precarious basket and i like I'm freaking out for the first time. Like it comes after Hurricane Irma, and then this is we're looking at September. Or so I hadn't had like a new sale in like two months or something like that, and I was kind of freaking out, freaking out in the way that I do, which was like rock climbing in Yosemite and hanging out there, and like cool, <laughs> man. like spending like little bit of trying to keep my costs down, like being a bum, like out in, mm-hmm. in rock climbing and hanging out, but. Underneath it all, I was freaking out. You right. Know? Um, and it's kind of the stuff you do. I, I, I find that you go to those types of things when you're freaking out so much and you, you there's really nothing a whole lot you can really do, especially in that situation. It's kind of out of your hands. Always something you can do, but that's yeah. a little out of your hands. And so you almost just retreat to doing, yeah, like I always try and go hiking, you know, like backpacking, disappear in the woods or mountain or rock climbing. You do that stuff to just get the fuck out. get the fuck out and you kind of in the back of your mind even though you know this isn't like consciously true you just go it's fine because once i do this in two weeks like yeah. this will all be sorted out something will and happen that, something will happen as you get to the end of the two weeks you're like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> nothing's so, still happening so i remember i posted on facebook and like it was basically a desperate call for help i was like guys like cuba is chill to travel to like please like tell your friends like i sent a mass email to my entire newsletter base being like tell your friends that travel to cuba is okay and then that day i closed a deal like a a person came in and i ended up closing a deal and like things started picking up again um and then these stupid sonic attacks happened out there there was like the oh, embassy was that, getting yeah. these sonic attacks. So it was just one thing after another. It was, it was like basically four months of that. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. And so it's just those are kind of a rough patch for a while. And but so, overall, like now looking back, so now we're in March. Damn, it's already March. Yeah. I mean, looking back, so you quit what a year a and a half? Year. Ago? It was February of last year. So oh, so just about a year. Thirteen months. Thirteen ago months or ago. Like that. I mean, looking back, it's like. I mean, best decision that you ever made. There was, there, there's been no point that I, maybe that scare where I was like, what the hell am I going to do? But I didn't think about going back, but I knew I needed to do something radically different. I needed to figure something else out that would 
pull it off, basically. What were your um I think it'd be cool to do another podcast on like actually scaling the business as you get along. Um but going back actually like what were your initial fears when you said that Tony Robbins you're able to like get rid of your fears? What were your fears about starting the company? It was or more about quitting. It was more fear about myself of like we always tell ourselves a story of like I need to gain X experience before I'm willing to that one. you know, before I'm willing to try something. Like I need to be great before I can give something a try. And I was like no, a lot of people, you just try it, and then if it doesn't work, you fix it, you know? And, like, I, I think we mentioned it the other day. It was like, we, we're intelligent. You know, we have some great – we have skill sets that we allow us to get jobs again. I was like, if I – worst case scenario, I get fired. What – I mean, the, the business fails. What do, what happens? And it's just you actually – and I visualize myself, like, there's not – like, I'm – there's not that bad of a thing that could happen from failing the business if it were. And I didn't think it would, but like what would happen? It was like, you get another fucking job or you, you just try something new or just don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it failing. What do you, so what would you say to a lot of people that are listening and they're like, okay, cool. Like you dropped it. You didn't have that much money saved. You're living in the Bay area. You moved into a van and people that, you know, want to change up, their lives are thinking about starting a company or they want to do maybe the side hustle thing. And at what point do you turn the side hustle into fuck it? I'm quitting. I'm going to go full into that. Like what kind of like advice pieces would you give when people, the people that are right on that precipice? I think it's about getting a lot of us are, are working such hard jobs that we're working 50 hours, you know, people are working 50 hours a week, 40 hours a week, and then you don't have any energy left to mentally cleanse and like actually focus on what you want to do. So I don't know how like taking time off and like actually kind of figuring that out, what, what makes the most sense for people. And, and I think it's, I don't know. I don't know what the best situation. I like. I had talked to my friend the first time before I knew what the business was. I knew I wanted to do something. I don't know what the hell it was going to be at that time. So I, there's a question on the how I built this podcast from NPR. He says, "How much of your success comes from luck, and how much of it comes from your hard work?" And a lot of times it's both. But in in my case, it was like I feel like it was a lot of luck, the timing, making that connection. But I think it's about when you do see an opportunity you jump on it, you know, you follow it, you give it a try, you work those long hours and you try something else out. A lot of times we get too tired and we don't want to, I stopped having friends for a few months. You know what I mean? Like I went every night I was just going home and working on the business. So it's you like, said no to a lot of stuff, said no to a lot of things, like everything. Basically it was like just work, work, work weekends for the most part. Yeah. Weekends were, you know, I'd stopped, I stopped drinking. I stopped hanging out. Like I even, I mean, it's not good, but I stopped like, taking care of myself in the gym element of it. Like I stopped working out and was just only like kind of just obsessively working on that thing. So I would say try to just build it into your start that high side hustle and, and figure out what is that minimal minimum viable product. Like what is the first thing I can do to sell or like start making money off of it and just go from there. And yours was a just yours was a, a group trip to Cuba. That was the first thing that you made. Or that you for me sold like it was a group trip, but it was like, can I get somebody to think of me as an expert? Okay, like can I convince somebody that I know what's best for them about their experience? That's what I had to sell. I had to sell myself as that expert, and like, 
once I could kind of get that conversation going and figure out what the, that looked like, then I could start saying, okay, these are the services I offer. But I was just get, calling anyone just like, just trying to get that, that out there. And you were trying to build yourself out of the expert by, yeah. by getting information from people too. Exactly. So it was figuring like, out. There's so much, it was like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. It was like, but at the same time, you're also, I mean, you're gathering the information to make yourself that expert Yeah. at the same time. So it was like doing, do things for free work, spend that extra hours, I guess would be whatever it is. You know, like I think, I think we forget that the shit is hard work. You know, it's like, it's a lot easier to just go home and chill, but I don't know if it was like this specific spark for me. And at that time, like I always, I was in the mindset to do something different. And right. it's hard to, if you're not in that mindset, it's hard to kind of like catapult yourself to do and maintain. That. Yeah. I think a lot of times people, myself included, like you get that motivation and it's a fire lit for a week. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like, well, I mean, life isn't too bad. It's not like life is terrible, yeah, you know, like <laughs> you get complacent. Yeah. You, you kind of like the complacency and the, the problem with the complacency is that it's like a slow simmer, you know, and it's like a, it slowly creeps its way back in, you know, yeah. like you have that motivation fire and it's like, yeah. And then you two months later, you're like, wait, what happened to that? I had it, you I, know? Yeah. And I lost it. Um, in some regards, especially with like big projects like that. But I think you're right. I think that it's always like, if you continue to take a small bit of action on it, mm-hmm. that's when it, that continues. And it, you keep the fire lit. Like you keep adding even like, like it's just like a fire. Yeah. You just you keep adding like twig. If you're adding twigs to the yeah. fire, like it might be a really, really small fire, but it's still burning. And it's, you don't it, let it go out. It just, you do the small goal. The small victories are such game changers. You know, like I would do that random, do one task. It was like, fill out the, you know, about us page or something like that. Just like give myself one task to do and just like having it, breaking it down, like breaking that big project into smaller segments and then getting those small victories makes it a lot easier to keep going, I think too. So I think that would be a way is like, all right, what is, what's the big picture? How can I make it smaller and how can I make it digestible into like action items? That's good. That's really good. Um, well, so tell people that want to go to Cuba where they can find you and when's that when's the new site gonna be launched you think we don't know yet so so i guess but the new stuff you're doing i'm pumped about because it's not the group trips but i really think that you're onto something with the personalized trips because we millennials we want to want to be individuals yeah i don't don't want someone else to i can elaborate on that a little bit um basically following that that, the the series of kind of rough couple months i decided to just go down to cuba and try to figure out get get on the floor and I spent you know a month or so out there and decided that what can I do what how can I create a more unique experience for people and so I decided to start connecting with the couple of subcultures that is what I'm calling them it's like the surf community I, I started hanging out with, I didn't know there was surf in Cuba and then I found out that there was a, a community of surfers so I started hanging out with them and I was like how many surfers are out there in this world that want to go to Cuba and would love to get that opportunity to surf with them? So I found a, what I'm calling local champion there, a badass. This uh, lady, her name's Yaya. She's the first professional female surfer coming out of Cuba. That's what I call, my, that's what I call my Cuban grandmother. Was oh, really? Yaya. It was Yaya? Yeah. yeah. How funny. Yeah. And she... Uh, and we built like a program that's focused on like learning about surf culture there. And she, she does uh volunteering. She teaches little kids how to surf and everything is basically comes from donations. So we built a program that would 
show people the community, the surf community there, bring surfboards and wetsuits and um, bring that to people. And so I have surfing, rock climbing, entrepreneurship, a bunch of these programs that are focused on getting people exposure to their own communities, but in Cuba. Mm. So let's, uh, it was kind of, it was fun. I was down there and spent the month of December there and converted the house that my, my partner has been renovating it. And we turned it into like a little startup space. So we brought the, my web designer there. He, he slept in one room. I had the rest of the team in, in the other room. We turned it into an office. We spent like the whole month where I basically like, <clears throat> I had, uh, my designer's wife is a salsa instructor. So every morning she would come to the house. She was staying there every morning at 7 a.m. I would do my salsa classes. Oh, so cool. Man. And then we got some like black market internet set up in my house. So it, was, so it was like my little office space in the morning. I would, you know, do some emails. Then the rest of the team would get there and we'd kind of map out what the, what the new site was going to look like, what the next couple of months were going to look like. I hired an English professor that would come in the afternoons and would teach the people who who weren't tour guides because our guides speak really great English, but like my programmer, I wanted him to speak Spanish or speak English and people that were involved that didn't have, you know, weren't customer facing. I wanted them to to learn how to speak English. Um, I'd cook for them like these crazy vegetarian meals that they're like worth. They uh, one of the guys who was like, "What are we eating all these grass for?" This <laughs> <laughs> was all the yerbas. It was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. always eating all these vegetables and things like that. But it was this really just awesome like few weeks in Havana where I had I re- had this moment of like I'm a part of something that's bigger. Yeah, that's I'm really a part cool. of this like team. Like I'm a leader here instead of when I'm back home and it's like me in a van hanging out and surfing in Santa Cruz or going Yosemite or doing these like traveling by myself, it's very easy to forget that I'm a part of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I had a pretty radical life change into like a, a moment in Havana where I was like, this isn't about me. This is, I was able to kind of hang out for the last couple months when we weren't having sales, but these people, they depend on Asta Cuba now. They depend on me as a leader to bring them money, to be able to take care of them. This is their, you know, main source of income. And I had that moment of being like, oh shit, I need to, I need to make some serious changes. So as I thought, you know, what can I do to, to attract a new audience? How can I be more strategic with the, with my marketing? So I was like, starting like surf program, I can start reaching out to surf magazines or I can start, you know, finding influencers and I can be just a lot more targeted about that. So kind of built that program out and ended up finding like all these local champions that each one has designed just badass programs. Um, and then came back and my, uh, the person that had been doing my social media for me had just quit. She just told me she had working full time and now I was like, oh shit, now I'm back to by myself again. And another one of my friends, he had just got laid off from his job in, in San Francisco and he was looking for something cool to do. And I said, hey, what, uh, what do you think about joining me and the team and starting to do work, working for Asta Cuba? So it was like a month ago or about a month ago. And he was kind of in a rough patch and said, shit, I'm not, do- I'm not doing anything yeah, else right not, now. Yeah. yeah, I'm not doing anything else right now. Um, so we started working with him and he was going to help me get, uh, do some outbound sales and help me with the business operations and it's just great to have somebody to bounce the idea off of, but that still didn't replace the social media person. So I, all right, need to find somebody else. So I found another friend who had had some hours reduced and worked at the same company actually 
decided to hire her and needed you know more marketing campus skills from a email marketing campaign that I'm building out found this uh, travel writer blogger and brought them on and decided to take them to Cuba with me to get trained so like two weeks ago I took the three of them down to Cuba to meet my Cuban team and I had I looked out I had this kind of like big dinner with all the different th- the subculture programs or thematic programs plus my new team and I looked down there's like 25 people that didn't exist a year ago or wouldn't have known each other a year ago and I'm looking out I'm like holy shit you're literally a part of something bigger right now. Yeah, that's fucking really so cool, was, man. But it was like now, now what? failure is yeah. a lot, <laughs> a lot scarier. Stakes are higher. Yeah, yeah, the stakes are significantly higher, and it's like let's make something like serious happen. So it's been, it's been a kind of a crazy shift mentally of being like, all right, I need to buckle down and like make this make this work for everyone and are you paying all of them out of the profits that you're already making so it's been it's basically people get paid on the programs that they work so it's that which is helpful so i have these people but they're not all on salary or anything right 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 so contractual basically basically it's all in contract based on the the services that they perform so it's not like i have a 25 person staff that i need to make you know 20 grand a month to pay or whatever right it is, right right yeah like, i was just curious how that works no but they're so all that, they're all the the contracts they're all paid out based on like you get a 10 person crew in you yeah. have let's say 10 grand of profit from that trip and then i pay them and all you out. divvy it all up yeah basically what they're doing okay so we're so i'm excited to we're, we're rebuilding the website trying to get all these things and hoping to have it launch like next month or something like that so in the next couple of weeks we'll be we'll be doing that and just kind of crazy crazy to look at a year ago of having that first you know riding around that classic car drinking a pina colada with that client without really knowing what the next month looked like to now being like oh shit let's make this a serious business make it a make it more than just about me right that's what it kind of comes down to is like how do i make this work for everyone and not just do my lifestyle yeah right yeah that's a crazy switch man well it's fucking rad man i mean i think in like six months to a year, we should sit down again and talk again and talk about like scaling the business up again. Cause I'm sure in a year who the, f- I mean, if you went from a year ago, you were having your first pina colada with your, <laughs> your Ray-Bans on yeah. looking back at them. And now you have your, have 25 people together and you're doing startup meetup salsa meetups. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I mean, I think the next year could be, who knows? Yeah. could be no, something great, man. It's uh so it's where ride. so if people want to go to Cuba, like where can they find you and when can they start doing those personalized trips? So give people the shout out. Yeah. So you can find it. The company's called the Asta Cuba, um, H-A-S-T-A Cuba. Um, the website's up now. You can send me an email at max at Asta Cuba. Check us out on Instagram, Asta Cuba. The, uh, Alex Bernatz is doing our social media. She is. She's and I'll probably do alexstar.com slash Cuba for this. Or I'll do slash Asta Cuba. That makes Sweet. sense. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so you can find us there. And then the, those programs are ready to rock. So if you're a surfer, rock climber, entrepreneur, artist, dancer, anything, it's there's a thing I say about Cuba is anything, everything will be difficult, but anything is possible. So cool. I'd love to hear from you. Cool. Sweet. Right on, man. Thanks, dude. Cheers. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you all for listening. I hope you got a lot out of that. Um, I got an episode coming up 
in about a week or two with my friend Kelly about her weight loss story. And I got a bunch of stuff in the works and a lot of other stuff I'm excited to announce. Big projects coming up. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I know I should be posting more than every two weeks, but I am doing my best. And if anybody out there has people they want to suggest to have on the show, people that are rewriting the rules of education I'm super interested in, or society in general, if they're living their life in an unconventional unconventional paradigm breaking way would love to hear from them um, anyone you want to suggest shoot me an email alex at alexstar.com find me on facebook instagram anyway and i uh, would love to talk to you so much love talk to you all soon